Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Wild Ones podcast, episode 25. I'm Jimmy, this is Francis, and this is the show where we talk about bike stuff. Have you seen the news, Francis? I have seen the news. Decathlon are sponsoring a world tour cycling team. It is happening. I'm excited about this. What do we know about it then? They've signed as a headline sponsor for AG2R, the world tour team. Uh, The guys who are known for their brown bib shorts. Except they're ditching the brown bib shorts. Thankfully. From next year. I don't think that's thankful. It is. I'm sad. You shouldn't be. They were the team with the, like, that's their, that's their thing. Yeah. The, Maybe they'll last minute change it and remake the kit and they'd get, bring them back. It's like negging. It's like, oh, look at us because we're the guys that look rubbish. What does that mean? Neg- well, it, it stands out because it's a th- via a negative thing rather than a positive thing. They don't look good. They look bad and therefore you notice them. Perhaps. They're also ditching Citroen and BMC and will be riding Decathlon's Van Rysel bikes for at least the next five years. Wow. Citroen, they sponsor the team. They have like a feeder team. Yeah. And I think Citroen is still sponsoring them. So they're still involved somehow. I believe they are. There's money going into that big setup. Uh, They'll also be in brand new Van Rysel helmet and glasses as well. Have you had a look at them? Yeah. The the helmets do look very uh, cask. Yeah, my first reaction was, oh, they look really good. And the glasses look really good. And then my second reaction was, because they look like Cask and Oakley. Because I've seen them before. <laughs> yeah, I've seen them before. It looks like, well, it very much looks like Cask helmets and Oakley sunglasses. Yeah, like the Sutro. To be fair, I think you should probably look at most helmets and glasses and see if they look like another company's. It is very difficult to be original nowadays in this space. Yeah, but I'm, I'm assuming they're different enough that it isn't a issue they've definitely changed them a little bit yeah i think that's how they're doing it uh the press are speculating that it will likely be the cheapest bike in the pro peloton i don't know how much truth there is to that because the top of the range model is still eight thousand five hundred pounds yeah it's a lot of money <laughs> but surely the the some of the stuff the pros are riding is like 15 grand bikes and that kind of stuff oh yes in comparison uh alpsin De Koenig ride an 8,800 pound canyon 
Jumbo Visma ride a £12,500 S5, and Ineos are on £13,000 Pinarello Dogmas. Do you think that's true? Or do you think they're actually on, like, even better versions? Like, they're not, they're not factory models. They've got, like, the best wheels and the best tyres, and that's not going to be the same configuration that you're getting off the shelf, is it? Oh, the, they're, well, they're completely custom... I don't think any world tour teams have exactly the same model of bike with exactly the same components that you can buy off the shelf. But as we have discussed and have speculated on in prior episodes of the podcast and also from the reliable source, fairly reliable. <laughs> he's very reliable. Rob, the carbon man, uh, the carbon layups of the bikes may not be the same for a lot of these teams. So you probably can't buy the same bike. Exactly. Yep. Some teams will, some teams you won't. Uh, I'm excited to see it. I've, I mean, we're fans of the decathlon here, aren't we? We After are. After yeah. testing a lot of the cheaper bikes, the more entry level bikes, right down at 350 quid. Never ridden a Van Rysel, haven't got a clue what they're like, but uh, hopefully, we can see one at some point. So I guess, I guess what some people may not know, or perhaps they do, is so Van Rysel is decathlon's in-house bike brand. He is either an ex-pro or a current World Tour pro. What, Van Rysel? Yeah, I'm a, pretty sure he wrote for Cofidis. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Um, so that's the, that's the name. Van is he Rysel. French? Doesn't sound French. Oh, does he? Because Decathlon are very French. And presumably Decathlon being a French brand and AG2R being a f- the, like, the, the main French team, it's, it's a, it makes sense that they're coming together because you know, France wants a grand tour winner. They want a Tour de France winner. That's like their thing that they've been trying to achieve forever. And obviously they have historically, but not for a while. I might be completely wrong about this because I've Googled it and it's not coming up. Van Rysel apparently means, Van means from and Rysel means Lille. So I think it was launched 25 miles from Lille. So it's not a guy. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a guy's name at all. It was very convincing though. It was it good. Was. <laughs> <laughs> who are they using as their I'm sure there's a there is someone who's an ex-pro who is who's behind it. Speculation. We'll leave yeah, it at well that. It is, yeah. We'll leave it at that and move on. <laughs> I what I think is really interesting about this, and I think it's something we've experienced even in the last well, this year that we've been involved in stuff, is Decathlon it feels like Decathlon are evolving from uh, a crappy budget brand to something that's very well respected like you know we've dropped some decathlon videos on entry level bikes their entry level proposition is better value than pretty much anything else out there that we found and people love those bikes like you know they're they're a very they're well respected now and it's going to be interesting to see what impact this has in the brand of Decathlon and Van Rysel and, and see where they go. I think the industry has needed something like this for so long is actually someone coming in and going like, oh yeah, cool, this is how you do it. Well, that's not how we're going to do it. We're going to do it different. Well, if they can uh, give the same amount of care and thought into the builds, even if it's componentry and that kind of thing, sizes of components on the bikes, mm-hmm. they're already onto a winner. I think Decathlon are going to scare the crap out of all of the traditional big brands that are out there. And that is what I'm really excited for. I'm looking forward to these brands 
going, oh my God, Decathlon are eating into our market share. We can't just do the same old drivel that we've been doing for the last 30 years. We're going to have to do something different. We're going to have to make better value bikes. We're going to have to approach things differently rather than just kind of go, well, people will buy it because that's we're, we're, the, we're the only place they can get it. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I, I think it's got a lot of legs. I'm so sad that Van Rysel isn't a real person. Francis Van Rysel. Yeah. That's a good name, actually. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where, where's your French family from? He sounds like a goalkeeper or something, though, doesn't he? Is your French family from near Lille? Nah. Because that would be perfect. No. Where's Lille? <laughs> Lille is a city in France. Thanks, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> That's great research. <laughs> Next up, this is an exclusive story, and it's an unbelievable one. I didn't believe it when I first read it. <laughs> We have helped uncover Russian cheats at the UCI World Qualifiers. Producer Emily, this is a story you've been investigating this week. Do you want to talk us through what happened? Yes, I do. So basically, this happened at a UCI race in Turkey earlier this month. It was a 100-kilometer UCI Grand Fondo World Series event, and it's a qualifier for the World Championships, which is in Denmark next August. So our friend, Louise Vardman, she's an amazingly strong cyclist. She was at this race competing in the women's 45 to 49 age category. And basically during this race, Louise saw a Russian rider in her category, a lady called Maria, being drafted around the course by a teammate who was not registered to be in that race. Maria won the race and Louise came fourth. Only the top three qualify for world champs, meaning Lou just missed out on a spot. So, so I'm, I'm assuming that this was like an open road race. It was correct, yes. Right. So, well, well, I guess no road races barriers all the way around anyway, does it? No, exactly. So both the cheating riders were wearing jerseys from Team Impulse, which is a Russian team. So basically, typically in these races, you race under your country. So Lou was racing for Team GB. However, Russia as a country is banned from competing. So they are only allowed to compete if they do so under a different name. What are they doing wearing jerseys of their actual... Surely you'd turn up in like a camouflage skin suit. I mean, maybe or, they thought that would blend in more if it looked like they were a rider. I'm not sure. It why would they wear a camouflage skin suit? Well, you'd be invisible, wouldn't you? So not camouflage pattern as in like an invisible cloak, invisibility cloak. Ideally, but they don't exist. So next base thing is that, isn't it? <laughs> So Louise wasn't the only person that this happened to in one of the other road races. So basically it was a mass start, but there was lots of different categories. And in one of the other categories, another rider also from Team Impulse was being drafted by a guy on a TT bike. <laughs> that is class. They were subsequently disqualified because it was quite obvious this guy was on a on TT, a TT bike. bike. Wait, where was Lou on this? Was she in the pace line behind them? Was Lou cheating as well, technically? No, no. So she has GoPro footage of all of this. And, and ultimately they, they came past her drafting oh. and then went away up the road. And Lou said it was really tough conditions on the day as well. It was like 45 mile per hour gusts. So obviously having a draft is a significant advantage. But thankfully Lou had her GoPro on the front of her bike and she actually captured a lot of, of what was going on. So she she caught the the pair coming past her. There was also official race photos, which literally just showed them drafting together. 
she also captured the moment that the unregistered riders came onto the course. So it was kind of like a slip road. After the race also, the winner, Maria, posted on Instagram talking about the race. And in that post, she admitted, my task was to sit on the wheel and not fall off. And at the end of the post, she tagged the unregistered teammate and said, thank you for everything. So, I mean, they've not been... They have not been subtle about this at all. Well, that's not... It's not not being subtle. It's just not understanding the rules, surely. Mm, I mean, I think this... TT bike? Well, yeah, but they must have thought, but it wouldn't, you wouldn't post about it if you were trying to get away with it. They, they, they honestly thought it was fine. No, I think you just have to have evidence. Like, what's the chance people have evidence? But obviously, Lou is a YouTuber, so she was recording the entire thing for her YouTube. So here is what Louise had to say when I spoke to her about it. So it was a mass start, which is always pretty chaotic. They, they seeded the women at the front because it was a mixed race, men and women, um, but it was meant to be a neutral start for the first 1.6k. So we rolled out behind uh, a car and uh, motorbikes, but literally as soon as we went over the start line, all the men from behind just zoomed straight in. So it was just a, a huge bunch following the car. So it was just pretty dangerous, pretty chaotic, that first, you know, one and a half K of people trying to battle for position behind the car. So just lots of screaming, shouting, slamming on brakes, all that kind of stuff. So you're really not really looking around apart from concentrating on not crashing into the, the person in front of you. Probably about five, le- just less than 5k in, I noticed one of my um, fellow competitors overtaking me. It's really obvious who your competitors are because you had to have um, numbers on your back. You actually had two numbers on your back. I should, like, they're massive. So I had to have both of those across across my back and the colour signifies what category you're in. So when the girl with the big blue numbers on her back overtook me, I was like, oh no, that's that's part of, you know, my race. I'm racing against her. I thought it was strange the way she chased after someone and, and something lodged in my head that something was weird about what happened, but I didn't really know what. Um, but they literally flew past me and off they went. So what was the point that you actually became suspicious and looked back for this footage to see if you'd captured anything? It was when other people started saying about unregistered riders on the route and a guy on a TT bike and all. It just sounded so crazy that I just thought, oh, that sounds weird. And I remembered something seeming odd about the the women that overtook me. So that's when I just started looking back at all the footage. And then since all the race photos have come out and other people have uploaded footage online as well, there's a, there's a whole load of, of images and videos showing um, the woman who won my category drafting behind an unregistered rider. I just found it so frustrating at a time when women's cycling is really starting to get bigger and better and we're doing such great things that stuff like this just completely undermines women racing fairly. And I don't want to bring another woman down, but cheating is cheating at any level. And this is amateur, but it matters. So Louise had all of this footage and evidence. She submitted it to the race organisers and was then left waiting for a decision about whether... Um, the lady who won her category was going to be disqualified or not. Mm-hmm. The other rider and the TT bike guy were already disqualified, but Louise's case dragged on and it was coming up to five days when we had this conversation. So after we spoke, I sent an email to the UCI race organisers introducing myself as a journalist from Cade Media and saying that we were going to cover the story and outlining the allegations we'd received 
The next morning, we got word of a decision and uh, it was decided that Maria was going to be disqualified, which put Lou into third place, which means she now qualifies for World Championships. Podiums. Yeah. Oh, the motive, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the race organisers confirmed two other riders also from Team Impulse had also been disqualified for cheating. So I caught up with Louise again yesterday uh, after the decision came in and here's what she said. I'm delighted. I love I love competing um, in big proper races and wearing, you know, my GB skin suit. It's just nuts. It's so, so cool. And I worked really, really hard for this after coming back from such a massive injury a year ago. And all summer, we've, we've had a huge summer of travelling, but throughout it, I really wanted to keep my fitness so I've made a lot of sacrifices so the fact that it's actually all worked out and I have qualified is really really great I'm very happy. So our plan was after I spoke to you is that we were going to send them a, a message I was going to send them a message as a, a journalist from Cade Media and then the next morning we had an official statement that it was they were going to ban the woman didn't we so do you think that helped yes. swing it? I think it helped a bit I think mainly because they thought you were the BBC they emailed me and I hadn't spoken to anyone else about it. So I know it has to be from <laughs> what they thought from your message. But yeah, they said that a British broadcasting company and then BBC in brackets had contacted them about the investigation. They were, of course, looking into all of the allegations and they were promoting fair racing and cheaters would be disqualified and blah, blah, blah. So I think, yes, that possibly helped quite a bit that you got involved too. <laughs> So thank you. <laughs> I definitely didn't say we were from the BBC at all. You didn't Kid. have to. <laughs> no. In the end, they sent me a statement that said three riders had been disqualified in total, and all three of these riders were from the same team. So there was clearly some sort of systematic cheating going on across a number of races, wasn't there? Yeah, there there was, and and there was a few, quite a few people online who'd been affected by these team members too, either by the dangerous riding from the non-registered riders in the race and other people had submitted footage and evidence and claims as well. So I think all that just became too much for them to ignore and, and thankfully they have done the right thing. But it is a concern about what's going on out there at all these different races and this one just needed to be held in a high regard because it is a UCI race and they have to be seen to be doing the right thing because I suppose otherwise they would lose that um, the ability to call it a UCI race. So, yeah. I just want to clarify, I did not say we were from the BBC, but the race organisers, they're based in Turkey. I don't know whether there was a language barrier, but we th they thought that I was the BBC investigating them. <laughs> but yeah, I think that perhaps just telling them that we're listening in, we care what's happening here, maybe helped swing it. Because I think in the other cases, there was lots of evidence and lots of people shouting about it. Whereas in Lou's case, it was only her that had managed to capture stuff as well as the official race photographs. So yeah, crazy. So basically, Russian team, team impulse must hate our guts. Yeah, I'm, me and Lou are going into hiding after this podcast finishes. Okay. Well, they hate the BBC. Yes, if, if team impulse are watching, it was the BBC and not Cade Media. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see your point that perhaps they didn't understand the rules. However, have you entered a race ever where you've being like, oh, well, it'll, it'll, it'll definitely be in the rules for my mates to meet me halfway around the course and give me a draft. No. You would, there's, I just don't see how you could ever think that that's within the rules. But they seem to post, the, the post sort of. Well, they just thought it was going to be fine, I can only assume. Weird. Because people don't think there's as many rules around a Grand Fondo champs. Perhaps. Perhaps. I think you're being very fair to them there. Um, uh, so in the post, she didn't, 
I think that if you hadn't been in the race and seen what was going on, you could assume that what she was, she said, my job was to sit in the wheel and not fall off. So that you could assume that it was to pick another rider who was registered and sit in their wheel. Yeah, yeah. And then she thanks the person later. She might be thanking her for giving her a pep talk or something. So I think without all of the context of that evidence, I think if you'd just seen that Instagram post, you might not assume Mm. what she was referring to, you know? I've actually been in an event where something similar to this has happened. And there was controversy about it. And the event was the Coronation Double Century in South Africa. So it's 200 kilometers long. And you have mixed teams. You've got men's teams, women's teams, and mixed teams. And the mixed teams have their own competition. And we were in a mixed team. So I think it was two girls, two guys, maybe three guys. And uh, fully within the rules... As long as you're using your own team, you get to the end as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. And there's like a couple of sections which the time doesn't count, and there's like a pit stop thing because it gets so hot out there. Um, however, you're allowed to like push each other. So up the climbs, um, we were like helping some of the riders get up the climbs quicker, and you're pushing each other and doing all this crazy stuff. And it was absolutely bonkers, and people were all over the road. However, the team that beat us, which I was like, well, it's fair game. There's loads of people on the road. You're just doing whatever. They're still in the race. They were were drafting a men's team who was there to specifically help them win and beat right. us. <laughs> and I was like, I, I didn't mind. However, there were lots of people very upset about that because it was a separate competition despite being in the same yeah. event. Uh, so I, there's all sorts of weird stuff. But, like but that the difference well. here is the people that... These... I'm not in the event at all. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. Lit- it is different. I, I actually, different. I have actually seen one of Lou's clips and it very clearly shows someone waiting on the side of the road. And Man. then like, as the rider's coming through, they then jump in and then pull in front of them. Like, you've got to know that's cheating. Pretty outrageous. Louise also, we mentioned a couple of times, has a YouTube channel where she vlogs and she's also done a piece talking about what happens. You can check her out. Louise Vardman, V-A-R-D-E-M-A-N. Lutube. Lutube, that's what she calls it. And uh, we also contacted the race organisers for comment and they said, three cyclists were disqualified for violating race rules. The results list has been updated and the prizes will be sent to the winning athletes according to the changed rankings. Our organisation has adopted and implemented the principles of fair racing. Good luck, Lou. Good luck, Lou. I think we're going to do a festive section next, aren't we? One of my most hated games in the world. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Christmas is approaching. It is. So we are going to do a secret Santa. So tomorrow's the 1st of December. That marks the start of Christmas holidays or whatever you want to call it for many people and places around the world. Whether you're religious or not, even if you're not, most well, a lot of people use it as an excuse to have a good time and feel festive and spend time with your family, which is lovely. Got a question for you. When's an acceptable time to put up and then take down a Christmas tree? Well, if you just leave it up all the time, that's just easier, isn't it? It's one, one less job or well, two less jobs a year. My, my dad kind of used to do that. He had a tree in the garden, which was a Christmas tree. Mm-hmm. And then he would just bring it indoors <laughs> at Christmas. And well, then just like dig it out. Dig just, it out. Just put it in the Put house. it in a giant pot, water it. Okay, and then every year it got bigger and bigger because he kept putting it back in the garden again and planting it yeah. again. And then it got too big. And then one oh, day he didn't have that tree anymore. Very sad. Very sustainable, though. It's great. It, genius. Mm-hmm. Genius. 1st of December. Or oh, as close to the 1st of December. 1st of December. Oh, yes. 
Yeah, yeah, you have to get the. But then your tree doesn't last. I have a fake one. Well, that's you. Immediately, your opinion is completely invalid. Why? Well, you don't get the smell of Christmas. You just spray it. <laughs> Where can I get this spray? From the Christmas shop, obviously. <laughs> From Santa. Oh, he's gone. He's gone. Right, so whilst Francis is recovering, I'll explain the rules of Secret Santa to the people that don't know. Oh, he's gone, isn't he? <laughs> so basically, everyone in a group puts their names in a bowl. You pick the name out. If it's your name, you put it back in. So basically, you have the name of one person within the group. Ultimately, you have to buy a gift for the name that you've pulled out of the hat. And then at some point in the future, usually a Christmas party, you then unveil the presents. We have a theme for our one, which is going to be, it has to be something that makes a noise. A gift that features a sound. Oh, features a sound. Because that works for a podcast. Oh, yeah, very clever. Oh, we do a podcast. And we will exchange them in an episode nearer Christmas. How do we do this? We're too far away from each other to be I able to reach our hands. have a very large metal basket. basket with three pieces of paper in it and I'm going to go first and I'm going to hand it around. So I have... No, you don't. It's secret, Jimmy. I know it was a joke. I'm not really going to say. It's not me. Uh, who wants to go next? Oh, thank you. Do you actually want to know who I got? No. Van Rysel. <laughs> <laughs> What am I going to get him? He's got everything. He's got a helmet. He's got glasses. He's got a new bike. This guy. So I guess for now, that's it, isn't it? Move on. Got Van so now on to our big question. Is Christmas a f***ing joke? <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Now onto our big question. That was aggressive. Now onto our big question of the day. We are being tasked with building the worst possible bike for each other, specific to that person's pet peeves, <laughs> dislikes. What frame material are you using? Geometry, group set, gearing, bar style, accessories, etc. This is a question suggested by Sam from Chicago. Thank you for the great suggestion. We did a bit of uh, prior planning for this we one. We have done some prior planning in it. So wait, I, wait do, is this like Secret Santa? Do we have one each again? We do, have we just done... I'm abstaining from this section. Do you just do each other? I've designed you a great bike. Do you want to go first then? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, cool. I titled it Jimmy's Nightmare Bike. Okay, cool. But nice. Nightmare is pronounced in a South African accent like Nick's. Go on, have a go. Nightmare. That's actually all right. Yeah, it's all right. So do the, do the full name. Jimmy's Nightmare Bike. <laughs> You lost it last yeah, time. I've still got the giggles about. <laughs> We're going to get complaints about that, aren't we? 
No, because he, no. di- he didn't sound South African at all. <laughs> right. The frame set is a Walmart road bike frame suitable for riders from five foot three to six foot 11. Because <laughs> I know it will fit you. So I've been kind. This is good. Some, some of these parts are really good. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So as we know, Walmart make a great bike and it is one size only. Yeah. One size fits all. Mm-hmm. Right up to six foot 11. So when you eventually reach six foot 11, you can still ride your bike. It's got a triple chain set. <laughs> yeah, good. So you got really good gear range, right? Yeah. Except the whole cassette is 11 sprockets. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Very good. And then <laughs> you can shift the cassette still, yeah. of course, with your Shimano Airlines group set. What's that? Well, it's a group set a pneumatic group set, right. which has a gas canister. <laughs> is this real or have you just, yeah, made, no, have you just invented a group set as well for it's me? It's real. <laughs> it's real. I really want one. And I was on eBay like a few months ago trying to get one. Right, okay. So expensive. It looks really cool. That's your mountain bike group set. So we have to like fiddle it onto the bike somehow. Uh, but I put that on because it's weird. And then if it goes wrong, you definitely won't be able to get a replacement part. Right. Thanks for that. No problem. Appreciate it. Classic drop handlebars. Yep. Make it really long, really low. Yeah. So I know you like mega aggressive position. Cork bar tape. Oh. Ideally one which has the little flex in it as well. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. yeah, black bar tape with little brown flex. Yeah. That looks really, real good. <laughs> Fid locks mounted upside down, but you've got to use <laughs> adapters, like band on adapters, because the frame doesn't have bulk cage mounts. Oh yeah, you it remember? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 Actually, you know, we had that frame for quite a while. I'm going to have to buy it back from Recycle Your Bike to get this bike for you. Please don't. Hopefully they haven't sold it yet. Or given it to a great cause. Shout out to Recycle Your Bike. Um, the saddle is going to be... <laughs> it's the backrest saddle. It's the backrest it? saddle. <laughs> oh God, Which sorry. one? The Timu one or the... The Timu one, yeah. Because yeah. I got it already. I'm not going to spend too much on this. You know, I'm already buying airlines for like thousands of pounds. So, so that that features in a video we made recently, which is basically a massive brown saddle with a brown backrest, and it's not only is the backrest redundant, but the saddle is so humongous, it's just it just doesn't work. No, some people got really angry at us, and they were like, "That's that's for a beach cruiser, where you'll be really with your lying." Back. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be so cool. Which this bike is not, but tubeless. With no sealant, <laughs> which you can use the Hutchinson tire that yeah. claim it works with no sealant, which actually I believe because they did invent tubeless at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So they, if anyone can do it, they can. And Shimano BioPace chainrings on your triple. So a BioPace chainring is they don't make them anymore because it's an oval chainring. Yep. So immediately it makes the shifting not as good. Yep. An oval chainring, but in the like ninety degree orientation to a Q-ring, which is the modern kind of equivalent of that. So instead of re- reducing the dead spot and aiding your power transfer, it allegedly, it. it increases it and <laughs> gives everyone knee pain. <laughs> I wish I'd thought about putting like a triangular chain ring on for you, but yeah, that would have been good. Ah. You know the guy who 3D prints triangle chain rings and lots of other weird sizes? He did a crab the other day on oh, Instagram. Cool. He follows me. We could get him to print us some stuff. All right, big time. Yeah, Brendan, Outdoor Brendan, I think his name is. What else have you got for me then? Or is that the complete bike? That's the complete bike. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. sounds sounds hideous. The rest of it's just all the Walmart stuff that came with. <laughs> just topped up with the rest of the Walmart yeah. stuff. 
Should we should we move on to Cade's new bike, as I've titled this one? <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. So I start with Crow. I can't. I don't know how to correctly pronounce this. Chromoly. 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 Steel bike frame, painted in orange and yellow flip paint. What's flip paint? So like the it looks specialized bike that different. I had. So when it, you look at it from different angles, it's different yeah. color. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. kind of like the more you move around it, the more vomity it looks. Yeah. Chromoly steel, so it's like the heaviest starting point ever. Chromoly. Chromoly, which is essentially the same as the warm-up bike that you've got for me. Yeah. Uh, steel fork, of course, just, Quality, to, we'll never just to make it a bit extra, a mm. bit of extra heavyweight. Um, mechanical disc brakes because they are both worse than rim brakes and hydraulic disc brakes. So the worst possible brakes I could think of, mechanical ones. Are better than Cantys. Oh, I should have gone Cantys, yeah. But yeah, well, I've, I've, already, I've already allocated it. Uh, 44 centimeter handlebars with TT clip-on bars. <laughs> it's nice and wide, how you like them. Um, five centimeters of spaces under the stem and relaxed geometry. Nice, yeah. The frame geometry built in a way that there is zero seat poke showing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. Well, no, no, cool. It will look like an old, um, old steel racing bike. The, the 175 millimeter cranks that oh, is okay. that are triples, like you put for nice, me because yeah, I know yeah, we yeah. both hate triples. Uh, so this this is where it really gets interesting. So the front wheel is a carbon 60 millimeter wheel. The That's rear cool. one is alloy and shallow. The front one has a tanned wall tire on it. The rear one is black and they're both different brands. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it does stress me out a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Got white bar tape and a brown saddle. <laughs> <laughs> the BB creaks, the bike is dirty and the rear mech is electric. I've not specified by which brand, but the shifters are mechanical. Shifters. <laughs> 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 We're both in very big gears when we go for our ride together. <laughs> Flat ride only. <laughs> so there's there's your new bike. Thanks, Jimmy. So orange yellow flip paint, one tan tire, thick wheel, shallow at the back, white bar tape, brown saddle, it all clashes. None of it works. <laughs> I think it looked great. So I yeah, I, I think I've done better than you. I think I've done better than you. I've got a nicer bike. You think where do you think I think the, your bike that you just made for me is better than my bike that I made for you. Okay, cool. That means I win. It's not a competition. <laughs> no way, no way it's the worst bike, isn't it? So I lose. Yeah. Oh, no. Time for another round of overrated or underrated. I'm going to read out a list of things and you're going to tell me if they're overrated or underrated. Inner tubes. They cannot possibly be overrated. Why? Because most bikes still use them. Yes. And that means that those bikes can be used and therefore they can't possibly be overrated. So they're underrated? Well, like by proxy, yes. Done deal. Suggested by Connor, direct drive turbo trainers. Hmm. I guess they're appropriately rated. They are very good. At one point, they didn't exist, Yeah. right? And when they first came on the scene, they were... You, you just looked at them and you were like, what the hell is that? Why is it so expensive? Why on earth would you spend that money? And then you try one and you're convinced. Do you know what away. it's like? It's like electric gears. You don't need it, but if you can afford it, you should have it. Do you want to explain what, what a direct drive turbo trainer is? So a direct drive 
turbo trainer is one that has a cassette fixed to the turbo, so you do not need a rear wheel. The actual bike fits to the turbo. Uh, the main, well, I guess from my experience, the main difference is you get zero slip. Typically on a traditional non-direct drive, your rear tire will get some form of slip as it's tr driving the turbo, plus you get additional wear on a tire. So there used to be a thing called a turbo tire yeah, yeah. that was actually basically like a tannis. It was just like super hardy rubber. Absolutely, no one bought out. one and everyone just used an old tire instead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you'd usually, you'd end up having, well, I used to turbo a lot. I had one bike that I used to turbo and race on and therefore I used to have a turbo wheel. Mm -hmm. And then you end up buying a wheel that just exists for you to be able to switch it out to put on the turbo. Yep. Uh, direct drives don't have that. So even the data that you're getting from the turbo is going to be better and more accurate because you're not losing power as it's slipping on the direct drive, uh, the non-direct drivey wheelie bit of it. It's an ignorance is bliss situation, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You don't realize how much better they are until you try them. Mm. But if you've never tried a direct drive turbo trainer and you try a wheel on turbo trainer, one right next to me, uh, it's great yep. when you first use it. Going backwards is a, is a struggle though. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't need it exactly like electric gears, but once you get it, you're like, oh, this is lovely. Yeah, even going from the expensive 2T to the Flux, is the Flux the one you've got? Yep. And you have to plug it in. I know. What a task. <laughs> <laughs> Can't go backwards like that. It's like from the Stone Ages. <laughs> Needs power, goddammit. Yes. Daytime running bike lights. Suggest them from Cyril. Uh, I think they're underrated. I, th I think more visibility is always going to be a good thing. However, what we know about dehumanization of cyclists from drivers, perhaps it actually contributes to, be, to you being less human on a bike because you're trying to be more visible. Is that true? Does it, would it count as safety? Would, would it have the same effect as a high-vis vest? Because I think there would be a difference psychologically in a response from a driver. I, I don't know enough about the study. No, All I'm right. purely speculating. I reckon I, I've always lent to the side of I, I would definitely run lights in the daytime, gets you seen, but you don't look like non-human as yep. those, those studies have shown. Whereas high-vis equipment, helmet, that kind of stuff does make you look non-human according to that study. I guess... People are used to cars having lights on and therefore perhaps a light on a bike. It's not weird. It makes it more of like a motorbike rather than a yeah. cyclist that is not human. I'm sure the studies on flashing lights are like, it, they're very easy to spot for motorists and it does mm -hmm. increase your safety. Does It increases your chances of being seen massively more so than wearing a jacket with some reflective shit on it. So my opinion is underrated. I do it and... I will continue to do it. Mm -hmm. Also, a suggestion from Cyril, carbon wheels with rim brakes. <laughs> Overrated. Overrated. I prefer alloy braking surfaces. And if I'm going to have an alloy braking surface, there's no point in me having a carbon rim. No. I may as well just have an alloy wheel and an alloy braking surface. I'd rather have an alloy... Well, the best of both worlds is alloy braking surface, but carbon fairing. Fairing? Yeah, so you get the best of both worlds. What do you mean by a, what's a what do you mean what's a fairing? Well, you used to buy it. Was it before you were racing? Like I used to race on deep carbon wheels, but they weren't really carbon. They had an aluminium braking surface. A, a moment ago, I said that I would. <laughs> I specifically don't like that. Oh, why? Because they're still heavy as hell. 
So there's just no point. I may as well just have an alloy wheel that's bomb-proof. But it's faster. But if I'm going to race, yeah. and I'm racing on rim brakes, I don't care about braking. Yeah. There was a point where everybody raced on carbon wheels at elite level. This yeah. is what I'm talking about when we were racing. And nobody could brake properly in the wet. Yeah. <laughs> so it was fine because there wasn't someone braking like really hard in the middle yeah. of the bunch. And you could, everyone, the reaction from everyone was the same. Yeah. Then disc brakes started creeping in and I'd retired from racing at that point and I'm glad I had. Now it's caught up and everyone's on uh, disc brakes and everyone's yeah. brakes are the same. But there must have been a midpoint where I, I imagine it was a bit sketchy. Yeah, I remember when disc brakes started coming through and the fear was that the disc was going to start like chopping people's heads off. Yeah, Things they like were that. banned in d different countries at different times as well or they weren't allowed by the UCI yet in like events. So I remember a guy from Education First, EF Pro Cycling, turned up to Smithfield Nocturne. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was called Mr. Porter Nocturne or one of those things, Rafa Nocturne. And he wasn't allowed to race because his bike was disc brake. So there was that weird time where it's like it's, he was allowed to race like in Europe, but not this race because it was British cycling and they hadn't allowed it yet. I've got another one here as well. Oh, a listener called Carl emailed us with a list he called Overrated, Underrated, America Edition. <laughs> There's a few here, so we'll run through them quickly. American Biscuits. Oh, yes. I've had these when I went to stay with my friend Ian. P.S. They're not scones. Yeah, they look, are they actually scones. not scones? I've never really eaten scones either. You can get sweet scones that have sugar and um, into the recipe and you can get savoury scones, which is a basic bread. So it's maybe like a savoury scone. But he's saying they're not scones, so I don't know. If I'm not mistaken, the biscuits that I had when I stayed in New York with Ian, he made us some kind of like stew with biscuits in. And it's like a dumpling, I think. Dumplings have suet in them, which are, they're a lot heavier, our dumplings. I don't think it's like that. No, but, but, yeah, it, but like what you had, how yeah. you would have dumplings in this country. I think blocks of bready carbohydrates in uh, stews are lovely. So underrated. Also underrated. Fahrenheit. Overrated. Overrated. Stupid. Zero isn't even zero. <laughs> <laughs> Go away. Done. Um, <laughs> mile century. What does that mean? Mile century. Do we know what that I is? I think the, the idea that 100 miles is a century, but I think we say the same thing, don't we? Oh, yeah, rather we than 100 kilometers. A lot of people are upset with, again, that, that event that I did, the coronation double century. It's not a century. It's only 200K. It should be 200 miles if it's going to be a century. Double century. In, we have a weird thing in the UK of... We sort of do both. Yeah, we do both. Anyone over a certain age will exclusively only do miles still. Yeah. I would say younger people do kilometers and miles and cyclists do exclusively kilometers. So I would say I think in both. If anything, America are more consistent than us yeah. with measurements. So at least they have that. Even though all of their measurements are stupid. But, 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 <laughs> no, but this is specifically Britain because in Europe, they're all metric, aren't they? Yes, so actually, it's, it's, just, yeah, that, it's yeah, just that it's weird in the UK. But yeah, we do, we do both. So I would so a century ride, I would, I would go miles or kilometers. I would a default to miles because our roads use miles. So if someone said they were doing a century, I would think they were doing miles. But if they said, oh, no, it's kilometers, I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. I wouldn't mm. be upset about it. So um, overrated. Under, overrated. It can be whatever you want it to be. God damn it. Pumpkin pie. I've never had it. No, nah, same. 
although I, I watched, I rewatched the series Jack Reacher, and there's actually a um, various points throughout the entire series. He sits down in this diner for a slice of pumpkin pie, and he ends up not having it. Is it like the pie from American Pie? Yeah, I think it'd be delicious because mm. it's very sweet, isn't it, pumpkin? Whereas here, a pie is usually meat. Unless it's a mince pie. I think pumpkin is not really grown in this country. And I think it's grown a lot in America because that's why like yeah. pumpkin season is a big thing in the States. And we've kind of adopted it culturally, but pumpkins aren't really a thing here. The, one, the only ones you get here are for carving. And if you taste them, they are gross. They're not edible. Right. They're technically edible, but they taste horrible. You're not supposed to cook it though, yeah? Yes, but it just doesn't... I've, have you ever tried to the ones? No, God, oh, no. They're, they're hideous. They taste horrible. We have like squash sometimes, but it's just not really a thing here. Yep. Have a great weekend. And as it's American Thanksgiving, I'm thankful you all put out great content from Carl. Oh, happy Thanksgiving. That was actually a few days ago. It was, yeah. Last time it was Thanksgiving last year, I was in America. I had my first ever American Thanksgiving experience, which was good. Wasn't that actually with Lou Vardaman? Yes. Yeah, with Lou from earlier in the podcast. Yeah. They made uh, one of the dishes was sweet potato with marshmallows on top. Melted. Absolute filth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I bet it tastes great, though. I, I think Americans generally, we're quite snobby about our foods, and I think they have um, less inhibitions, and they put together what seems like odd combos and then you try them and they're great. Like peanut butter and jam is a thing that I didn't have until I was like 20. I'd seen it on American TV a lot and then you try it, it's lovely. But part of the reason for that is that peanut butter only became a thing in this country when you were about that age. That's true, yeah. Obviously it existed here, but no one ate thing. peanut butter. No. Keep it sending in your suggestions to Wild Ones Podcast at cademedia.co.uk and we might read yours out on the next show. Fluff up of the week. <laughs> Emily and myself were very lucky to be invited to a humongous charity event hosted by Garmin in London last week. And uh, it was a charity auction. There was lots of amazing things auctioned off. They ended up raising £250,000 for action medical research. Part of the reason that they generated so much is it was a room full of very rich people <laughs> and a live auction for like some amazing cycling memorabilia and things like that. Like one of the things that got auctioned off was, or actually the, the first one I thought of isn't even cycling. It was like a, a hospitality corporate box to see Peter Kay in the O2 for like 17 people that someone ended up paying about four grand for. Um, there's like a cycling holiday in in um, France that someone paid 12 grand for. And one of the things, so Emily's a massive fangirl of, I can never say her surname right, Lizzie Dagnum. Dagnan. Dagnan. Lizzie Deignan, uh, who was also there at the event uh, in and is actually preparing for Olympics in Paris next, next year, which is going to be pretty sick. There was a signed jersey from Lizzie, framed and all lovely, one of her like little something or other jerseys. Uh, and I was, I was goading Emily to get it because I thought it'd be a really good memory. And of course, it's for charity, so that's cool. Uh, it very quickly got up to £1,500. And then Lizzie called over the auctioneer compare guy and Lizzie was just like, right, okay, so whoever buys this, I will also go for a ride for. And I was putting pressure on Emily to buy it. I was like, go on, buy it, buy it, buy it, do it, do it. 
And then it ended up going for, I think, two and a half grand, three grand, something like that. And uh, we were out at about 50 quid, to be honest. So you're uh, saying the fluff off <laughs> is me not spending £2,500 to ride with Lizzie Dignan. And get the jersey. Think of it like we'd have had that jersey forever that we can be like, in 30 years' time when we're old and unable to ride bikes. Put well, on eBay. Me in 30 years' time, I'm old and unable to ride a bike, <laughs> not you. Um, and then we go, oh, do you remember that time when, when you went for a ride with Lizzie? And, you know, the, the, one of the most decorated cyclists of all time and coolest coolest chips and now we don't have that we'll just have to put like a little post-it note on the wall and go <laughs> what could have been i mean she i think she's sick and it's a great charity but i do not have that kind of money to spend on jerseys we have spent enough money on jerseys for a lifetime jimmy so yeah how much money you spent on jerseys one billion dollars <laughs> <laughs> a little bit short of that but we're getting close, yeah. Mm, nice. Time for another listener's takeover. And we have a question from Nick. Nick Vieri, the bike man. Not Nick Vieri. Okay. What's up, team? Zup! First of all, I just wanted to say thanks. You've become my go-to source for bike chat that's predominantly sensible and not pretentious. Thank you. No problem. Second, <laughs> predominantly sensible. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, I have one bike, a Trek Checkpoint SL5. I have a great time with it. I live in a mountainous region of the US, and this setup allows me to go straight from the garage over mixed surfaces to nearby single track and trails. Love it. That is perfect example why a gravel bike is so good. Mm -hmm. It's like not a slog getting to and from trails. I'm 33, five foot seven and 180 pounds. I mostly lift weights and cycle a few times a week because I enjoy it. I've been thinking about doing a cyclocross, bleh, cyclocross race or two, but the internet seems to think doing a cyclocross race on a gravel bike is a ludicrous endeavor and that my size 52 gravel bike is much too long and heavy to take tight turns and should be shouldered and be shouldered a few times. I noticed a few episodes ago, you discussed how much fun cyclocross is and encourage those interested to give it a try. So my question is this, should I just send it or is gravel geometry for cyclocross actually a problem? Cheers, Nick. Send it. Send it. <laughs> send it. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. If you were planning on being in the top 1%, you're going to do you're going to have a better race and you're probably going to need probably two cyclocross bikes to be able to achieve that. Yep. However, if you want to go and have some fun and a great time, just go and do it. Like I've I've raced cyclocross races where people show up on flat bar mountain bikes, like rigid mountain bikes and they have a great time. You know, like cyclocross is about having a good time and you also happen to get really fit off the back of it. So just go and do it. Do not care what anyone says, just do it. Yep. I agree. It's such a tiny, tiny difference that you're looking at with, well, it'll be a little, little bit less nimble. And Tony always says, uh, we're friends with a guy called Tony Fawcett in the Northeast here, who's Northeast cyclocross legend and uh, has podiumed the national champs here uh, for his age group. And I asked him exactly about this before because I don't have a cyclocross bike. And he's basically like, you can get the power down a tiny bit sooner. Um, because of the geometry of the bike, but see he, the level he's racing at so high and it matters. And he's got two bikes, as you say, one gets washed down halfway yeah. through the race. So he switches his bikes. And if you haven't got all that, it's you, you're just you're having fun. You're enjoying it for what it is. You can still do that on a gravel bike. Absolutely fine. He's an anomaly in that he's the kind of person that specifically wants a cyclocross bike over a gravel bike, but that's because he's trying to win races. But what bike do you reckon he rides? 99% of the time when he's not racing. Not them. Gravel bike. Yep. Yep. 
go, go, Nick, go and have a good time. Go race it. And if anyone says you shouldn't be doing it on that bike, send them our way and we'll sort them out. Before we go, we have an important announcement. <gasps> really? Yep. Next week, Francis is on holiday because he's basically a part-timer these days. So instead, we'll be joined by our friend Pete. We've mentioned him a couple of times. He is a cycling coach. He has historically, I believe, represented Ireland in the Commonwealth Games, which is absolutely massive. He, We often refer to him as the best cyclist that we actually know. He's achi- <laughs> He has achieved the most out of someone we actually know. Um, and he's going to be joining me for a podcast next week. So if you have any questions about training, uh, the best advice for real people with busy lives that, uh, you know, you have to handle having a full-time job and children and all of the other commitments that life throws at you and any tips that you want about dealing with that, sling us over some questions. Or Pythagoras. Or Pythagoras. Oh, because he's a math teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll stay off the math subject and we'll just stick to cycling. Ah, uh, I was looking forward to tuning in. It's a cycling podcast, Francis. You should still be looking forward to it. So no matter what level you are or what goals you have, if you would like some advice or have any questions for Pete, please send them to wildonespodcast at cademedia.co.uk and we will ask Pete, Pete some of those questions next week. That's all for this episode, Francis. If you got this far and liked what you heard, please leave us a five-star review. Follow, subscribe, share, and all that. Thank you, and goodbye. That was a good one. I enjoyed that. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? 
Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.